And here we go. That's right. You're back in Red's line. Don't let those hallucinations concern you right now. In 30 to 45 minutes, everything will be back to normal. Well, hey, ladies and gentlemen, what do you know? The Reds did something tonight that they haven't done all season long, and it only took them 11 games. Are you sitting down? Do you have a glass of water? Wait, better yet, you might need some sugar. Do you have a glass of cola or a soda next to you? You might need to take a drink. The Reds have won back-to-back games. Whoa! That's right! No, I'm going to let you come down off that high, hit the ceiling, come back down, have a little rest, because we're about to get into it, how it happened. Now, your host... Me, Jared Roberts of Reds Nation number 4192, was right about one thing. Well, multiple things, because I got the world-famous 99.7% always being right percentage. So, last night, when the Reds put up two touchdowns against the Fish, I said, hey, hold on a second. They did rough up Urena for four earned, but Chen... Had a horrible spring, and he was punching up gopher balls, as you know. And they went up 14 to nothing. I was concerned because those 10 earned runs they hung on Chen, that wasn't to be expected. And what happened tonight? I was right again. The bats were somehow, someway cold. And I just don't understand it because this uh, Richards man You know, he's not Arnold Schwarzenegger, Ben Richards from The Running Man. He's not that good. Of course, he did have more strikeouts than uh, innings pitched last year. His first year up as a Marlins, I think he was 24. But this guy is no world beater. And the Reds just got handcuffed. They even struck out three batters, struck out the side in the third. But I was really proud of Male tonight. Because in the fourth, he came back and he struck out the side against the Marlins. So that was really impressive to see. I think, personally, I don't know this for a fact, I think Male was like, you know what? You struck out my guys, I'm going to come back out there and I'm going to strike out yours. Because Male, who I've always compared to Greg Max, man, he was out there throwing 94, 95. He was in command. But the whole problem with Male tonight was these walks. And how many times have I talked about the walks, ladies and gentlemen. Just go back to all these uh, post-game podcasts. I have literally talked about how Male is a location machine a la Greg Maddox, Mad Dog Maddox. Should we call Male Mad Dog? I don't know because the guy walked four batters tonight. Now, he did strike out seven. Like I said, it was the tale of two cities, Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, whatever you want to say about Malay, because in the first and second inning, man, you thought this game was going to get out of hand. And let me tell you something. The first inning, now, I'm going to tell you guys something that you all are going to give me a lot of trouble for, because Jose Iglesias really saved this game. Without Jose Iglesias' defense in this game, the Reds don't win this. And before you guys all start laughing out there in Reds Nation and saying, oh, Jared, you were against Iglesias, I wasn't against Iglesias. I was against giving up Connor Joe for eight relievers and Iglesias, who was shortstop only. 
Now, if you had your way, Jose Peraza would have been in there as shortstop, and he wasn't getting to any of those balls that Jose Iglesias got to. So why don't we just say and come to an agreement that this is a push on both our parts? Okay, we're in agreement. Let's go back to the game. So anyway, in the first inning, uh, Molly has got one out. The bases are like almost juiced. He's got uh, Castro sends this drive or some Marlins hitter puts this ball and Iglesias stabs at it and he's able to turn a 6-4-3 double play to get out of the inning. And I'm telling you what, the floodgates were about to open. So then let's go to the Reds first. The Reds got the bases loaded, one out, and you know I have to laugh at all these articles about how great Scott Schebler is. After yesterday, when all these other Reds did the same thing, uncorked on a really bad pitcher. But we didn't have all these other articles, but we had articles about Scott Schebler turning the corner. Got to be a mandate from uh, Mr. Williams' office in the Reds' front office because, anyway, let me go back before I get off on a tangent. Anyway, so the bases are juiced. Schebler's up. You're thinking, okay, Scott Schebler proved Jared Roberts wrong, hit a grand slam. No, he pops up basically. Well, not pops up. I won't say it that bad. He does a pop-up to the outfield, which was in the mid-outfield. Okay, so he didn't get good wood on the baseball. And Joey Votto breaks from third and gets thrown out on a double play. Now, whoever sent him, that was a real bad chance because I think he should have let the next batter come in because as far as I'm concerned, Vado's not no, you know, burner on the base paths and the way this team is scoring offense. I talked about it yesterday with uh, Suarez getting caught twice in consecutive uh, base running appearances. So you can't be giving these runs away when you got uh, runs on the bases, basically. That didn't even come out right, but I'm not going back. So anyway, to make a long story short, they get out of the first, the fish. And then, Molly's walking everybody on the planet. I think there was back-to-back walks or something. And then, Curtis Grant, yeah, that was Crestro in the first inning. Curtis Granderson, they got a shift on him because apparently, well, Curtis Granderson has this really crouched swing, and he does pull the ball like crazy. So the Reds got this analytic shift on. And Iglesias travels halfway across the right side of the infield, passes Dietrich, and gets this slow roller and gets uh, Curtis Granderson out at first base, and they're out of the inning. So right there, ladies and gentlemen, on our push, if you had your way, this game's out of hand. Peraza's your shortstop. If I have my way, I guess it's the same thing, but I don't think so because I think, well, anyway, I'm not going to go there because that goes back to Senzel not going to the minor league camp and getting hurt. So anyway, so then we're in the third inning or second inning. Nothing really extraordinary happens there. The third inning happens. The Reds get struck out by the side. Really alarming because the Reds got struck out. That was uh, Votto in there. He was the second K. And that's the top of your lineup. And you're going to let this Richards guy 
uh, strike out the side. Now, maybe that Richards will be a household name. And I'm not saying he don't have good stuff. The guy was is this little slender-bodied guy, and he was just throwing juice up there. And I'll say it, he was pretty good. But I really think it's the Reds' hitters that are struggling. But anyway, I'll get back to this game. So, then we got the fourth. Everything's fine and dandy. Uh, Male comes out there, strikes out the side. I just told you about that earlier in the show. And, you know, I'm really pumped up. But, anyway. So then Male gets to the fifth. They pull him at 89 pitches. So do you see where those four walks are killers, ladies and gentlemen? The four walks, and I've harped on it. Go back and listen to the last Reds caps. Or Reds caps. Reds game recaps. And you'll see I've been harping on this. Now, he did strike out seven, but he only allowed two hits and one earned run. And the home run was off of former Pirate, Neil Walker. And I said it in the game thread in Reds Nation number 4192. I was like, well, it's kind of hard to follow up, uh, you know, an 85, 86-mile-an-hour change and throw an 81-mile-an-hour curve slider in there. And any, I, I rewatched that, and Neil Walker went down to get that, but still... You know, you got to have the uh, change in velocity on this deal because, you know, the timing was there for Walker to do that. But it's only one mistake. I'm not going to get all over him. The walks were way more concerning than that home run of Neil Walker. That was like, you know, a chance of a bat running into a baseball. But, Male, you kind of want to change speeds, change the eye level. Now, you did change the eye level. But when you pop up an 86-mile-an-hour change and then you go and throw a uh, curve or a slider that really doesn't break, well, I will tell you what, it did break a little bit. I am going off on a tangent. But, you know, you got to change speeds, man, because, you know, if you want to go with a fastball at 95 and then come back with a slider at 82, 83, 84, whatever you're doing, golden. Then come back with another fastball somewhere and then come out with your change. That's fine and dandy, my friend. But anyway, I'm not going to get on that. So, Molly gets through five, right? And that's what the problem is that I've been talking about with this team, is these walks are like crazy. Like, like you know how I talked about Oprah and uh, David Bell saying, you get an appearance, you get an appearance, you get an appearance with the relievers? Like, Molly's like, you get a walk, and you get a walk, and you get a walk. And it's like, man, come on, Molly, let's not go crazy here. Because I've told you about Molly, the guy just commands the strike zone very well. And I don't know what was wrong, whether he was nervous, or he came off that great start, remember, uh, last time out, and maybe he was nervous about doing it again. But let me tell you what, ladies and gentlemen, he's got a 0.82 ERA. Him and Castillo are just like super studs. If Male can control these walks, man, and get to the six consistently every time out, I'm not asking Male to go seven like I'm asking Castillo and I'm asking Rourke, I just need Male to go six, 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 and then build up to the seventh inning, hopefully at the end of the year, or if that's too many pitches for him or innings for him, you know, next year count on him to do those seven inning stretches. Because Male is, I'm telling you, this guy's got as much talent as Castillo, it's just not as electric. Castillo pounds the zone, has real good command, I just don't know where it was today. Because remember, last time out, I don't think he had one walk. 
this time four. So all Zamale's got to do is take over control of this thing, and we'll be in high cotton. So, anyway, let's get back on the trail. Let's get back on the train tracks with this game. So you're going through any innovating of boredom. Richards got some against the ropes. Richards, six innings, only allowed one hit, no runs. But here's the concerning thing about the Reds' offense. Richards struck out seven over six. Male, seven over five. But Richards gives up five walks. How do you not come through and score in this situation? And that's where I was like, Reds Nation, calm down. This Chen thing, you can't overestimate it or underestimate it because the Reds do have offensive problems. Just because they went off on a guy that was having a really bad game doesn't mean a whole lot. And now tonight, it proved it out a little bit. Now, I think what they did yesterday about putting that pitching machine on fastballs only really helped. And this is why I want to tell you it really helped. Okay? Because in the bottom of the eighth, we're sitting here, and who? Jose Iglesias hits a home run. Ties it up. Crowd goes crazy. So, I think those... Extra BP and the idea that they're doing it to try and get good wood and barrel up the balls is working. But ladies and gentlemen, what I say about the wink yesterday and that Phil Mickelson swing opposite field, and I said, what's going to happen when he gets going? Huh. Bottom of the eighth, tied one to one. Jesse Winker's up. He slices it again, Phil Mickelson style, opposite field home run. And what I say. I said, when these guys start hitting opposite field, remember Matt Kemp yesterday and now Winker today, or Winker did it to you too yesterday, these opposite field jacks. Winker does it exactly again today. Not the exact same spot, but pretty close. It was almost a carbon copy. What I say, Now, I'm going to say it again for like the third time or fourth time. Now, what I say, if these guys start Hitting the baseball like this, and they're going the other way, that's when the ball's looking like a softball, and they got total command of the strike zone. And Winker did his Phil Mickelson impression and launched that ball. And hey, by the way, people, this guy's a 30-home run hitter. Everybody in Res Nation has laughed at me for years about this. But what you don't understand is what you saw was him after he broke his wrist came off and he wasn't some super uh, wood home run hitter. But he had broken his wrist. And I'm telling you something, when you come off of an injury like that, you're just not the same for a while. But you know how bones are. Once they get fixed, and once everything's okay, they're stronger than they used to be. Now, I'm not saying that's why he's a home run hitter. I'm just saying his natural loft in his swing gives him the propensity to loft the ball. And this guy's doing it opposite field. So... I'm just telling you right now, Winker's a 30-home run hitter. they got to get rid of this outfield rotation, though, because the one thing I'm concerned about is, guess who was in the lineup today? Puig. Now, what have we talked about? Puig's been a starter all year most, most, most of the time. He got a day off the other day in, I think, Pittsburgh. Well, now, now we got this four-man outfield rotation again, which I'm really worried about. I think Puig is a really center cog of this offense. And I don't think you can have this outfield rotation. they got to do something. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Take me out back. Shoot me. I, I guess I'm kicking a dead horse here. Put me out of my misery. But Scott Shebler is the odd man out. Am I wrong? Am I wrong? No, I'm not wrong because i got a universal 
99.7% famous everywhere on the planet and even outskirts of this universe. It's widely known to life off this planet that I have the 99.7% always being right. Percentage of being right. So I'm not wrong. You gotta the odd man out is Shebler. He's not a center fielder, and I'm I'm not even like not liking the guy. The guy I watch him in the clubhouse, I'm like, man, I wish I could drink beer with that guy. But that's not the point. They gotta have a center fielder. And the answer is looking like Peraza. Because when Sinzel comes up, they already talked about him. He's starting baseball activities. Well, I'm telling you, you can't put Sinzel out there, man. He don't got the legs for it. He'll be he'll be he'll be tuckered out by August, maybe July. He's got to go to shortstop. You know what I'm saying? The guy's a third baseman's got a rocking arm. His arm says shortstop or third base. He's got great legs. He worked with Barry Larkin last spring training before the Reds pulled this you know uh, service time thing on him, and then they didn't even pull him up, and they had the perfect excuse to pull him up because Billy Hamilton was hitting less than 200 in May. Basically, so you could have moved Peraza out there to center last year and probably won more games. So anyway, I got to come back down to ground view level here. You know, DEFCON 5, turn that down to at least DEFCON 3. Okay, thanks. Got to talk to the engineer to get that DEFCON level down. So anyway, then let's get back to this game. So Raciel Iglesias comes in. He's been really struggling because they're not even using this guy right. They use him in, uh, you know, sixth innings. I mean, they haven't done that yet. But they use him. Remember last time they, they tried to run him out there three innings? I mean, what a crazy use of the bullpen. So this game was a really good game to bring him in. It was 2-1. to one. He's got his mind right. He's got his mojo on. The guy's throwing Superman heat up there like crazy. Strikes out the side. Gives a double gun salute up to the sky to God or his, whoever. You know, I hope it's God. I'm pretty sure it's God he's, he's saluting to. And it was a good sight to see. But here's the thing, man. Jose, or Raciel, I guess it was the... One of those Iglesias guys, and I'm joking here, Iglesias needs the juices of being a closer. He likes that. Now, in my opinion, he's a starter. But, you know, Brian Price ran him in the ground, and Walt Jockety and Dick Williams, whoever, you know, chose, you know, the great Jason Marquise over him. You know, remember they threw Lorenzen and Iglesias in the bullpen. I think they might have even uh, uh, demoted one of them. Yeah, I think Lorenzen got demoted or something. Oh, no, Amir Garrett got demoted. It was hilarious. It was a slap in the face. So they got all these good starters in the bullpen. Anyway, to make a long story short, Iglesias out there got the juices flowing, got the save. You know, um, and the funny thing about that is, that's his first save of the season. How many of you thought Russell Iglesias would only have one save after uh, 11 games? But that's neither here nor there. Let's get into the good things. So, I'm going to say it right now. Jesse Winker's bat is going in the good things, pile number one. Because I tell you what, this Phil Mickelson slice to left field, Jesse Winker's heating up. He's going to go off. I think this guy is going to have a 300 a year, a 400 on base percentage. I think he's going to have 30 jacks. I even think he's going to go approach 100 RBIs because he's got the knack for driving in runs. That's why they need to move him to seventh in the hole. Another good thing. Well, Molly is going to be on both my good things list and my bad things list. Tyler Molle 
Five innings, two hits, one earned run, one mistake to Neil Walker. I don't even think it counts because he's a former Pirate. They should probably just take that home run off of Male's record this year. But anyway, seven Ks through five. 89 pitches just got to be more efficient, my friends. He'll get in that sixth and seventh without those four walks. So, Tyler, watch some video. Calm down, my friend. Go back out there. Use your defense. You got Iglesias doing his Aussie Smith impression. You might as well get some grounders and get out of some innings early. You know what I'm talking about, Tyler. Watch the video. Pound the zone. Pitch to contact. And then when you got an opportunity, one and two, two and two, oh and two, give him the high heat. Strike him out. You were amazing today. I, you know, you usually work a little bit lower than that, but man, when you're throwing 95, 96 high in the zone, it was a whole different person. And uh, it was just really impressive, Tyler Molle. So props to you, my friend. What other good things? Well, this should probably be number one on the good thing list, but it's number three. It's Jose Iglesias. Two super good gems. Almost had a third when he dove in the hole. He just hesitated on the throw, and he didn't have his back foot. Uh, planted so he didn't have a lot on the ball but and then he ties the game up in the bottom of the eighth so Jose Iglesias you know what I'm not going to apologize for what I said but you are a good addition to the team as far as being you know there for this time because basically Jose Iglesias you are covering up for the incompetence of roster malpractice on this pos- uh, right now because you, you, you've you really been protecting these young pitchers. And Tyler Male would not have a 0.82 ERA without you. So props to you, Iglesias. I hope you get the majority of the stops short, or starts shortstop until Nick Sinzel comes up. I hope you're a late-inning replacement at shortstop if they need to pull him for defensive purposes since it's his first year. But I think he can be the next great Reds shortstop. So Jose Iglesias, congratulations to you. Now, ladies and gentlemen, let's get to the bad things. Tyler Molle, it's very, very few that so that, that you can make the good things list and the bad things list. Molle, what are you doing? Go back and watch the video. I just told you to watch the video. You got to pound the strike zone. Use your defense like Iglesias and Dietrich and Suarez and let the balls go and play and try and get out of some innings. You, my friend can be an ERA title contender. You can be a top 12, top 15 pitcher, basically, my friend, in this National League. So you can be really, really good, man. All you got to do is pound that zone. Don't go out of it. Those walks are killing you. Watch your video from your last start out. You and you had zero walks. Watch the video from this thing. And... Thank the baseball gods for having the defense behind you that bailed you out, man. Because without them, your little shining 0.82 ERA wouldn't be the shining 0.82 ERA sitting there next to Luis Castillo's. So, anyway, what else are the bad things? Well, ladies and gentlemen, the big elephant still in the room is this Reds offense. It is, I told you yesterday on the game recap... Chen is no world beater. He had an awful spring. And I know spring training is not conducive to what's going to happen in the regular season. But there's a reason he's not in the rotation. And he was basically doing a mop-up duty when they had to pull Urena out after a lot of pitches. Because Urena's their ace. And he just had a bad day. But I think those uh, extra 
uh, batting practice and the strategy behind it really worked. So anyway, let's get back to these bad things. The offense has to continue to put the ball in play. That's all I can tell you. When when a guy walks five batters through six innings and you're not scoring anything off of that, you got some problems. And I really think that you got to put Puig back in there. Probably bat Dietrich leadoff. He's he's got a cockiness to him that he can probably pull it off with a high on base percentage, by the way. And you got to put Winker back there behind Peraz in the seven hole, and you can put together probably some more efficient lineup and score some runs on a regular basis. But I think that the uh, hitting the fastballs off the pitching machine is a great idea. But back to the lineup and the offense. This and this will be the third bad thing. Puig not being in the lineup means there's a four-man outfield rotation sneaking up on us. We had it last year, and that's why Duvall struggled, Shelbor struggled, Winker struggled, Irvin struggled. And I, for all the analytics in the world, I can't believe this front office doesn't see the forest through the trees on this thing. It is crazy. And I haven't said the word crazy like crazy in a while on this podcast. But this front office, they got all this money in analytics. And, t- and Tucker Barnard said it was like turning a page in a script from last year to this year or whatever. But if you can't tell that this four-man outfield rotation is hurting your production out of your outfielders, I don't know what you're spending your money on because you need a refund. So... The bad thing is this four-man outfield rotation is hurting the offense. I can't tell you how, how much it isn't hurting the offense. And it's all because I think they think Scott Shelbler's a center fielder. And I don't want to go off on a tangent about Scott Shelbler, but the guy's starting to hit a little bit. You need to find a match to get a trade. And you need to trade that guy. Let him play every day. Let him have a new lease on uh, life as far as his baseball career. And let him get out of this four-man outfield rotation too. It's either that or you got to try and pivot Kemp's salary. And I'm telling you right now, you got all these outfielders and you got Senzel coming up, Peraza, you got to do something. And you got to be proactive and uh, not wait till the end of the, you know, you can't wait till the end of the night to tell the girl how you, how you feel about her, man, or it's over. So you kind of got to. Make a decision here, and even if it's the wrong one, at least you made a decision and you're not handicapping like five baseball players on a 25-man roster. It's the same thing you're doing with an eight-man bullpen. Everybody's not getting enough work. One guy's always missing out, so you got one guy who's rusty. Now, do you want that for the rest of the season? I don't think so. So, anyway, to make a long story short, to fix these bad things, to fix this offense you got to decide who your outfielders are and deploy that plan, okay? And then another thing, you need to have another player on the bench. you got like three hitters on the bench, and you got eight relievers. You need another bench player because one of those guys is a catcher. And by the way, Connor Joe... The Giants have acquired like 58 different outfielders. They're almost like the Cincinnati Reds with left fielders, but their outfield situation is really bad. In fact, they could be a match for like Kemp or Shebler because they really need an outfielder, like a, a legitimate one. So anyway, Connor Joe was defe- de- designated for assignment, so they got like 10 days to trade him. I'm saying right now, 
You played Connor Joe, front office, Nick Crawl, Dick Williams. Listen to whoever's listening to this. I hope you are. You need to trade back for Connor Joe. Make him your fourth guy on that bench. You played him more times in spring training because he was your Rule 5 pick. The guy hit 299 with 17 home runs last year in the minors. I think his on-base percentage was like 353 or 363 last year in AAA or maybe even higher. His career is like 363 in the minors. And he had a high on-base His spring on-base percentage was 356. Now, I know a lot of that was against subpar pitching, but the guy's going to be more comfortable in Cincinnati, and he can be a third backup catcher for you. And he can play first, uh, second, third. He can play the corner outfields. Bring him back. You know, you traded for Rob Reffensteiner from the Diamondbacks, who's a 28-year-old, who used to be kind of a higher-regarded prospect with the Yankees. Go get Connor Joe back. Uh, t- you know, trade that reliever that you got for him or give him cash considerations and bring him back and send down Wani Peralta. You got three left-handers. You don't need them. You're going to have an injury anyway in the bullpen. I'm not trying to be rude and hope an injury on somebody. It's baseball. It's going to happen. So anyway, there's my little rant about getting Connor Joe back. He's familiar with this team. He was comfortable with this team. He smiled on this team. And uh, I think he's got a heck of a future for him, especially with his versatility and his on-base percentage skills. So, anyway, where do we go from here? Well, they got to do some tinkering. I'm really concerned about Disco next time out. I'm really, really want to see how he does. Anthony DiScalfani. I really want to see how he does next time out because it's really important whether he's going to be a reliever or a starter because I'm telling you what right now, I'm, they they need to make a move, and they need to try and get. I'm, I know I'm on this horse. The Grinky isn't the answer. You know he had a really bad uh, opening day start or whatever, where he got lit up. Was well, next start out? He came like a ten or eleven batters over six innings and just dominated. He gave up three earned runs still, but no one's worried about Zach Grinky. The guy throws effortlessly. He locates where he wants to. This team could use an infusion like Zach Grinky. And it would just be great for the young starters coming up. And I know that Gray's there. And I know Rourke's not, you know, young. But with Castillo, Male, you know, even, you know, with Sims coming up and some other guys coming up, you know, Grinky would be a great addition to this team. All you got to do to make him waive that no trade clause is add another season or two to his to his deal. He's not going to slow down. He, You know, he doesn't even have an injury history. So... I think that's the big trade they need to do. Really try and, I hate to say it, try and get Matt Kemp's salary for Grinkies and try and do some wheeling and dealing. But uh, other than that, you know, the Reds just got to get rid of this four-man outfield rotation. I think that in itself would help the uh, offense because you'd have guys getting reps every day. Now, you know how you make it to Carnegie Hall, don't you? Practice. And my point is, is that the reps are the practice. So... Now, you know, Red's front office, you can take all these analytical books you want in the world and think that you're going to make it work, but when you got five or six outfielders and you only got three positions, you can't rotate them. you got to start three guys consistently. Now, I've read the great manager uh, of the Orioles book, Earl Weaver's book, just like anybody else, where he was way ahead of the game way ahead on analytics, 
and knew how to build a ball player when one of his ball players had shortcomings against a tough left-hander. Reds, that's not what you're doing, okay? Because his his left fielder that he built to have 37 home runs and like 120-something RBIs that year, 118, that guy was predominantly um, a starter, and then they had a guy because he couldn't face tough some tough left-handers were just really tough on him. And I can't remember those uh, hitters' names, but if you're out there in Resonation number 4192, you got to go dig up this book. Probably the greatest manager in baseball history is uh, Earl Weaver. Now, I know that is probably like I'm going to get probably strung out because Sparky Anderson is awesome. I'm not going to lie. I believe Sparky Anderson is right there in the top three managers of all time. But Earl Weaver is widely considered the greatest manager of all time. And his book is Weaver on Strategy. you got to get this book if you want to know what I'm talking about as far as how to diagnose the Reds' analytical problems with their uh, platoons and their four-man, five-man outfield rotation with their 98 left fielders. So, anyway, Reds Nation. It's about time to close down Reds Line. It's almost last call. I can see it right now on the clock. What else can we say before we close out Reds Line? Well, I guess we can talk about what's going to happen tomorrow. Um, it's another game. Obviously, it's another game. We got an uh, early game, the Miami Marlins. It's a uh, nooner, <laughs> if I can say that on this podcast. Is that legal, engineer? Okay, never mind. Anyway, so... We got tomorrow, we got Sonny Gray, who I think is going to just destroy these fish, going up against, uh, who is that, uh, Lopez, this guy's no world beater, 610 ERA, they should destroy him, it shouldn't take anything very much, they better get on that hidden cage a little bit more, Pablo Lopez, uh, he's a right-hander, uh, career 443 ERA, he's not horrible, but, uh, you know, he, the Reds, this offense should destroy him. Now, you all know that, uh, that, wait, I got to tell you something. It's really funny. About two game recaps ago, I forgot, forgot to tell you this yesterday. I keep telling you that the, the Royals or the Reds are going to destroy these pitchers. So two games ago, and you can go back and, and hear it, I said, I think I'm having a problem uh, hurting the Reds. Because I'm always predicting them to destroy these pitchers. Now, so that game before the 14-0 game, two-touchdown game, I said, hey, I'm going to try and do some reverse psychology with the baseball ether. And I said the Reds were going to get a perfect game thrown against them. So, ladies and gentlemen, you can thank that two-touchdown game to Jared Roberts of Reds Nation number 4192. And your host of Reds Line, and I am out.